It's 1001 LA Nights. I'm LA Rivers with you and let's celebrate. So the following on Twitter has reached the benchmark 5,000. Wow, there's 5,000 and actually well, over 5,200 of you now that are tuning in to see what's happening in the writer's world, um, in my world on Twitter. And I am grateful to you. That's kind of fun. Um, obviously, um, on one hand, things are a numbers game, but on the other hand, I love getting to know different people and writers, especially. So it's uh, kind of a proud moment. It grew really fast. In fact, I've been online for a long, long time, since 96, actually, and I've had some very successful online endeavors, and I've had some duds, and you get a feeling, you know, when something's going to take off, and a couple weeks back, I was looking at the trajectory for for the following without, you know, it's not like I'm trying to make it happen, it's just growing, so yay, thank you for being my people, um, but I looked at it, and I thought, I'm not going to have that book done. It's, it's just not going to happen. So what I did is I, I thought, um, man, I'm not going to be able to do a giveaway. I don't even know that I'll be able to do a giveaway for 10000 at that point um, because it's growing really rapidly. Hopefully I'll have the book done for the 10000 mark. But I was like, all right, what can I do? So I decided to just throw it out there and say, hey, I'm going to pick a random follower and put you know create a character in a short story in my new book uh, the working title is the double bubble conjecture and um, we'll we'll make that happen so yesterday I woke up and was sitting at around 4985 and around 11 a.m put out a tweet I said okay most likely gonna turn the clock over to 5k today um, I'm ready to do a drawing to see who becomes the character you know I thought I might have 17 20 people respond um people are still responding as I record this I've already picked the winner I'm going to talk about that here in a second um wow talk about an active thread didn't realize how many people wanted to be written into stories so I've got some other fun ideas now I said on Twitter and I'm going to say it here to find out who wins you're gonna to have to listen all the way to the end of the episode I'm going to announce the winner in the last segment um, because what you will do is you will then get a hold of me and follow some simple instructions so you got to listen all the way to the end to become a character um, and there's lots of good reasons to listen all the way to the end of this episode coming up next is an interview with the beautiful and fascinating Eve Corso who recently released her first novel uh, she's indie published she has a great story about uh, giving up on getting a publisher and going to do self-publishing through an indie press and having it become a very different kettle of fish so you can find out more about that in the next segment um eve has written in really amazing romance i met up with eve in pasadena a few weeks back for coffee at the earth cafe and we chatted literature favorite reads favorite authors the art and craft of writing she's a lovely lovely human being and it was my deepest pleasure to get to meet her in person um i look forward to doing more of that uh see i will be sharing some other big news at the bottom of the show uh i will be moving back to la i'm going to talk a little bit more about that here so without further ado i'm la rivers and uh up next you will be hearing the interview with eve corso and her journey um in publishing and how sometimes just not giving up leads you right to the thing you desire so Listen to Eve Corso's interview after this brief advertisement for Anchor.fm. Today, 
I am very proud to have Eve Corso on the show. Eve and I met up for coffee about a week ago, and she is a delightful author, very creative, um, very thoughtful, very well-read. We had a wonderful time talking books and a wonderful time talking about her book, which is out and we are going to talk about today. Hello, Eve. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Hi, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) So, you have a book released. Shall we talk about it? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, Dream come true, right? Um, So, it came out um, on the 14th of March, and sales are kind of, you know, they're they're picking up slowly but surely. Marketing has been, ooh. You know, a full-time job is just to market it, right? It is. It is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I'm very excited, and um, I'm getting some feedback already. I had my first uh, five-star review on Amazon uh, last night, and so that was very, very exciting. Um, that was. I retweeted that. That was a beautiful review. It was really thoughtfully written. Whoever wrote that was like, "You're like, like, dude." So was that a yeah. surprise? Totally. Uh, I was not expecting that at all. Um, and she didn't tell me ahead of time that she was going to do it or anything like that. I had just, it, it just appeared. And, um, <laughs> magic. <laughs> yeah. So it was, yeah, so it was awesome. Um, so the one interesting thing that I keep getting when people have been reading my book is like, they think that I might have lived this life or they think that like, you know, that I have this firsthand view into this world and I, I I don't I just did a lot of research for for the book for Seven and Marilena because it's about filmmakers and it's about you know making movies and yeah it's a love story but um first and foremost I am a fan of film I love the art that is film and I love you know just the adventures that they take you on and that you forget about the outside world for just you know a moment and uh, I've always loved them. Ever since I was little, I would just sit in front of the TV and just, you know, go on these adventures with these characters. And it was like that for uh, books as well. Um, and so I just really wanted to create that for my book and to, to tip my hat to that as well. Well, if it shows in your writing, it means you're a damn good writer, Eve. If people are thinking that you really lived it, then congratulations. You're a damn good writer. Um, so we've Thanks. talked about the book a little bit, but what's the title and where can people find it? The title is Esteban and Marilena. Um, and I wanted to have um, really ethnic names because I think there is kind of a beauty to that and like a culture mm-hmm. to that in its own way. And um, you can find it on Amazon, on Barnes Noble, on Apple. Um, the book is only available on Amazon. Like the paperback is available uh-huh. on Amazon, but it's available electric, um, electronically everywhere else. That's great. Have you thought of um, having your publisher make it into an audiobook? Um, you know, it's an indie publisher, and I mm-hmm. haven't, I haven't looked into it yet. I'm just kind of, you know, writing this wave and seeing where this goes. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that's that's going to be a next step. And my mom, you know, she she reads primarily Spanish and she mm-hmm. she would like her friends and her family to be able to read it in Spanish as we've been talking about you know translating it as well oh brilliant Spanish readers yeah absolutely well especially you know since you kept the the Latino um characters yes so, yeah yeah so it's a romance and it's a, it's a it's life a, yeah it's a romance yeah but let's talk about that because we talked about that when we were having coffee and so it's not your typical romance it's minus the cheese yeah well I want to say it's not like your steamy romance you know what I mean like I want to say it's a love story like a very realistic very human very organic love story and there's some romance in it you know there's some steaminess in it but overall and and, you know that's not what it is and I love those books too Mm -hmm. um but mine I just yeah I I had no I didn't know what it was going to be when I started writing it it just I just followed it and 
where it led to was really surprising to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had no, I don't know what the right word is. I, I just, I didn't know. It just surprised me when I, when I started writing it. I had no, uh, my brain stopped working. That's all right. You followed the story. And you let the story unfold. Kind of like real life. You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. What surprised and you? And that's, um, well, the fact that I introduced this character, and I, I was thinking to myself halfway through writing it, I was like, you know what? I don't have that many characters in this book. I need to, like, introduce someone else. And I introduced the brother, and he was just going to be, you know, he was just going to be in the background. And it was so easy for me to connect with him that mm-hmm. I had I had to keep writing him in. And he just kept appearing and appearing and appearing. And he was so easy for me. I just connected with him. And he kind of took over in a way I wasn't expecting. And he is so... <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? And he is just so much fun. And um, yeah, like I, I had to kind of rethink how where I wanted this to go uh, for book two and book three because it is going to be a trilogy. Nice, nice. How does it feel now that you've got the book out and under your belt, how does it feel thinking about writing two more books? You know, does it, do you feel urged on? And what's, what's that feeling like? Well, um, both books are already written. So um, I, w- I wrote book two last year and I wrote book three the end of last year into this year. So the- they're already done. Okay, uh, my publisher has the second book already and it has a release date and book three, I'm just going through the editing for that and that's going to be turned in probably in a couple of months. And I have one novel before Esteban and Marilena, and it was my first novel. And that one I'm also planning on releasing as well. So, but to have the first published book, like, I mean, mm. that, that's insane. Yeah. What was it like to I'm hold so your proud. Bag? You should be. <laughs> you have oh, every right God. to be proud. <laughs> <laughs> to hold that first book. When I wrote this, when I was writing Esteban and Marilena, I knew it. Like, I knew this was going to, like, I just felt it. I was so determined to get it done, and I wouldn't stop. And I, I, you know, when I was querying, I just, I would send emails after emails. I wouldn't get discouraged. I would just get lit up. And I would just, you know, I was trying so hard because I saw it. I saw the end, you know, that, that vision. And to, for it to, like, for it to have happened, oh, my God. Right. And you've got an interesting publishing story. So you sent out a lot of queries. You got a lot of rejections. Then you looked to do the self-publishing route and went to an indie publisher to look at their self-publishing options. And then what happened? Yeah. And um, I was emailing back and forth with Erin. She's the, she's the owner of Crazy Inc. And, you know, we were talking about the options of self-publishing. And then she kind of asked me, you know, like, have you ever done this before? And I was like, no, this is my first one. And she's like, maybe, you know, self-publishing isn't right for you right now. It might be right for you one day, but let me take a look at your manuscript. And she looked at it and, you know, we, but we, that weekend I was published or, you know, I had a contract. I love it. I love it. Now, so, so <laughs> don't give up people. Yeah. Don't give up. There's always a way. Um, that's, that's amazing. Um, to, that's kind of a, a sweet thing. It says you have a very good book. Yeah. I love the feedback that people think you've lived it. You know? Um, yeah, I, I did a lot of research for that, though, too. I mean, not only of being a fan of film, I remember going online and, like, looking at these terms that filmmakers use, you know, camera angles specifically, you know, how to, how to speak in those terms. And I'd watch a movie, and I'd think, how is a director this from behind the camera or you know from his director's chair wherever he may be and I kind of had to start to piece things together and a filmmaker might read it and think that's not how we do that but right. you know to, to everyone else you know I might be able to get away with it a little bit it's <laughs> all so, right we were talking a little bit before the show about you know when you're a writer it's your privilege to 
use license as long as it's believable you know so good job you um yeah so what was the most compelling part of the story for you as a writer I don't know if I can say you know that it's one thing or another I am three books into the series mm-hmm. and for me like it's hard for me to like look at one book now as a single mm-hmm. book because I am just so in it mm-hmm. every day like living with these characters and like it, their lives are they feel real to me mm-hmm. so I don't know that I can answer like the you know the one most compelling thing I don't I don't know. Having your characters feel very real is is pretty compelling. Um, I'm gonna miss them when I'm done writing this. Like I'm gonna miss my friends. You know, right? They're my buddies. That's you know, as a reader, because um, that's where I started, and I know you did too. We were both pretty compulsive readers as kids. I remember always feeling very sad when I came to the end of a book. You know, even if it was a happy ending, because it meant I had to say goodbye to those particular friends for that moment in time. Um, and I've experienced that every time I've closed the book and think, oh, oh so how yeah. am I going to get through this day? You know, yeah. Well, I, I have a blog that oh, he just reminded me that I need to like go and update the thing with blogs, mm-hmm. right? They're great, and then they just collect dust on the web. But I do have a blog. It's um, evecorso.com. Evecorso.com. It's actually a pretty cool website. Nice blog. Um, so my my question that I ask every single author is. What do you want readers to take away from your writing? What is the legacy you're putting into these pages? What do you want to be known for? Just that they were able to go on this adventure mm-hmm. and come back from it feeling that same way that like, oh, these characters were great. They were my friends for that moment that I was reading them. You know, these people that I've created that they mean something to someone at the end it's just I mean really that at the end of the day like that's a job well done I I say Mm, that's beautiful so folks you want to follow Eve Corso on Twitter at Eve Corso and that that will also be in the Twitter or in the podcast description and uh, she is a delight she is fun. She is funny. Um, Thank you. I had the best time hanging out with her in LA and actually in Pasadena. And that um, record store, though, that we went to was like, oh, I need to go back to that record store. I know, right? Oh, gosh, that we found the most amazing record store, and it was so cool to flip through the vinyl. Um, uh, there's nothing like I mean besides book covers you know record covers or something you know it's like ooh. yeah I just want to put them on the wall yeah yeah exactly because the art is so brilliant and who wouldn't want to look at those David Bowie covers right oh um, my gosh <laughs> but yes we found we had a lot in common <laughs> David Bowie Alexander Dumas Oscar Wilde Oscar Wilde yeah yeah, yeah. So um, anyway, follow Eve on Twitter and uh, enjoy her book. Congratulations on the five-star review. May you have many, many more. And remember, guys, the best thing you can do for an author right now besides buying their books, so please buy books, is to leave very good, succinct reviews. So not just I loved it, but a great description without spoilers, talking about what you like about their writing. Um, And if you're an author, it really behooves you to support other authors. We're not in competition. We're in this together. There's enough to go around. No scarcity mindsets. Knock that stuff off. Support each other. Love each other. And thank you, Eve. It is a pleasure speaking with you. Oh, thank you for having me.
Up next, I'll be reading two short stories, one by Pauline Yates and the other by yours truly. I want to thank the patrons who help make this podcast possible. We have a $2 tier per month, a $5 tier per month, and up. I have some great offers for those of you who are intrigued by all things 1001 LA Nights, including uh, audio files, recording your stories, to joining Line Network International at half the monthly membership fee. Align Network International is my pet project where I help creatives get focused, get the discipline, and get things done without selling their souls, keeping their souls fully intact, meeting weekly, going through our step-by-step programming, and networking with other creative visionaries who are just trying to live their life their way. So if you become a patron, you can find out more about that at patreon.com forward slash 1001 LA Nights. Now, let me tell you a story. Today's short story comes from Australian author Pauline Yates, and it is hosted on Elena Hartwell's blog, and I'm just going to read that, Elena, E-L-E-N-A, Hartwell, that's H-A-R-T-W-E-L-L dot com, that was first published by Elena Hartwell on her blog on behalf of Pauline who lives in Queensland, and you can follow her on Twitter at MidnightMuser1. The story I'll be reading today, and you might want to grab some tissues, is called When the Tide Turns. I want to run from the back exit of the nursing home to the car park, but all Evelyn can manage is a crab-like shuffle. Her wheezing giggles don't help. We'll be seen for sure, I tell her. No, we won't, she says, her voice muffled by the mask connected to the portable oxygen tank hidden in her backpack. Staff take their tea break during visiting hours. I don't know why I worry. Evelyn knows the daily routine better than I do. I guess I want to make sure today, of all days, is perfect. I planned for everything, except for Nurse Nora refusing to give Evelyn a day pass. Not that it mattered. Weren't we the experts at absconding from school? Evading a nurse was no different than hiding from a teacher. When I reached my car, I slipped the backpack from Evelyn's shoulders and helped her get into the passenger seat. Stay down till we get out of here, I say. Evelyn leans her head back against the seat. Any exertion could exacerbate her condition, she says, mimicking Nurse Nora. She sucks in a gasp of oxygen before continuing. She won't check on me for hours, if if at all. She pauses. Mr. Andrews died last night. She'll be busy. Wasn't he nearly 100? I, I liked Mr. Andrews with his grandfatherly wisdom. Yeah, lucky bastard. Lucky he died? Or lucky he lived the full term of his life? I sigh. I hate seeing Evelyn in this nursing home. But where can, else can she go? There's no palliative care facility for a 26-year-old stricken with cancer. Instead, she's been shoved in with the elderly who discuss the latest death or talk about long lives Evelyn will never experience. With Evelyn's deteriorating condition, she could be the next in line to die. But if that's the case, who has the right to, to deny her a day out in fresh air and sunshine? But when Evelyn takes another gasp of oxygen... I wonder if I'm doing the right thing in sneaking her out. Are you sure you can do this? I ask as I slide into the driver's seat. She nods. Just drive. It takes an hour to get to my planned destination. When I reach a dirt road, I roll down the windows. Evelyn has been quiet for the entire trip, but her eyes brighten when she smells the fresh air. Where are we going? I smile. You'll see. My secret is revealed when we crest a hill. In front of us, the ocean stretches to the horizon. White-capped waves roll with the incoming tide. The road widens down the other side of the hill to a beach at the bottom. 
I pull over a near, near a sandy track. The path isn't long, but after wasting energy escaping the nurse, I wonder if Evelyn has the strength to make it. But she's already getting out of the car. The scent of the sea has renewed her strength. I hurry to truck to help her. She smiles. You remembered. Of course I did. I'm not your best friend for nothing, you know. She stares toward the ocean. I didn't think I'd ever get a chance to see it again. I collect a picnic basket and a blanket from the back seat. Think you can make it to the end? I'll die trying. My heart tugs. One day she will die, but not today. Today the northerly breeze will warm her face and sand will polish her feet, and if she can't sleep tonight, she'll be able to numb her pain by breathing in time to the memory of the rise and fall of the ocean. When we reach the beach, I spread out the blanket and help Evelyn sit before she collapses. Her pinched expression shows the effort of walking through sand. Hearing her short breaths, I raise the oxygen mask to her mouth, but she pushes my hand away. It's been so long since I've tasted the salt of the sea, she says. I sit down next to her. This is her moment, the moment I defied authority to give her. I want her to experience the sense of peace that can only be found on an isolated beach. When the wind changes to the east, Evelyn places her hand over mine. Thank you. She starts to rise, but I grab her hand. Wait, I've got one more thing before we go. Reaching into the basket, I pull out a cupcake complete with white frosted icing and a single candle. Pulling a lighter from my pocket, I light the candle and hold out the cupcake. Happy birthday. Make a wish. Evelyn laughs. You know wishes don't work. But she leans forward and blows. She wheezes through another laugh. I think the wind helped snuff the flame. She coughs, then closes her eyes at what I know is a stab of pain in her chest. I wish I could die right here, she says, her voice breaking. With the sea in my ears, and the sand in my toes, and my best friend at my side. Placing the cupcake on the blanket, I hug her to me. What else can I do to ease her pain, even if it means losing my best friend? I repeat her wish in my mind, but deep down I know she's right. Birthday wishes don't come true. If they did, the cancer in her ovaries wouldn't have spread to her lungs, and she wouldn't be in line waiting for death to call her number. A tear rolls down my cheek. Ignoring it, I sit with Evelyn in silence. Only best friends know how to share and watch the waves roll onto the beach. When the tide turns, I remember the time. We should get back. Nurse Nora will have me arrested. Evelyn doesn't move. Evelyn? I shake her shoulder. The oxygen mask falls from her hand. I hug her tighter to me than ever. I didn't plan for this. Well, I made it through without crying too bad, but still sniffle, sniffle. What a beautiful story. And what an honor to read for you. (laughs) Next week, I'll be reading some poetry. next reading is We'll See About That by L.A. Rivers. This is part of the collection of stories being woven into a novel by yours truly. We'll See About That. Who knew something so simple could change your life? Screw you, Mr. Jones. Look who's doing art. This was the thought that ran on repeat in Jana's mind every single day for the past two years. Mr. Jones had no idea how often she mentally flipped him the bird or stabbed the sharp felting tool into a sensitive bit of a creature she was felting in his honor. In fact, Mr. Jones probably didn't even remember Jana's name more than 20 years after being her high school teacher. But Jana cared. She cared deeply. 
because his snarky, condescending commentary called, caused a soul-deep wound. The cuts were so deep that Jana herself had not understood the extent of the damage until she was 32 years old. At the age of 14, required to take a quarter of art, Jana went in eager to learn, until Mr. Jones threatened Jana with a big fat F, unless she promised never to do art again. It didn't matter to him that she was visually impaired. Back in the 1980s, they didn't care as much about self-esteem. Mr. Jones taunted Jana for her lack of skilled work in drawing, painting, and worst of all, sculpting clay. Because of Mr. Jones's biting sarcasm and sadistic taunting, Jana shrunk away from any kind of creative pursuit to the point of actually becoming an accountant. Well, not just an accountant, a CPA. That was until two years ago when Annie and Bob Thompson hired her to do their taxes. Annie was wearing a sweet handcrafted man on the moon pin. Jana complimented her on it, and before she knew it, Annie offered to teach Jana how to sculpt with wool. Screw you, Mr. Jones, Jana muttered, and smiled satisfied as she pounded the felting needle into the yellow creature's face. Remember the day, remembering the day she'd gone over to Annie's house always made her smile. Jana thought of it often. After all, her whole world transformed before her very myopic eyes in just a few hours. She'd walked into the cozy home declaring, I warn you, Annie, I don't have a creative bone in my body. This statement caused Annie to stop hobbling toward the kitchen mid-step and turn back around as if in slow motion. Jana giggled, remembering the very serious over-the-top-of-her-reading-glasses stare Annie gave her, looking her up and down before saying, We'll see about that. Reveling in the unlocking of her natural creative talent, Jana gleefully sculpted strange, whimsical creatures out of wool, first from fierce dragons to salty old fishermen to her troll-like critters. Jana's apartment was wall-to-wall, floor-to-ceiling, creativity on steroids. She didn't dare let herself get too engrossed in her thoughts. The needle Jana used was terribly sharp. It took focus to stab the wool into place without causing self-imposed injuries. Keeping her bandaged slim fingers well away from the hypodermic-like barbed needle, she tapped away, sculpting the fuzzy wool, roving into a whimsical face, scritching and scrunching sounds punctuating each careful stab of the needle. Thick white foam took the brunt of the sharp metal rod as it impaled the wood into compacted shapes. Cheeks formed, nubby nose in place, mouth built up but still missing lips and teeth. The critter was bald yet, earless, and Jana was musing over what color eyes to give this yellow beauty when the phone rang, causing her to jump. Ouch! She cursed and brought her left forefinger up to her mouth. Blood welled through the puncture in the middle of the pad just above the second knuckle. She carefully placed the needle in the middle of the yellow critter's forehead and walked to the phone, still sucking on her finger. Hello, she answered, voice muffled as she pulled her finger from her mouth. Is this Jana Novak? A woman's voice inquired, her tone professional. Yes, Jana found herself straightening up and her voice moving into her own version of professional tone. Hi, this is Samantha Glenn of the Everett Herald. The woman continued on. I was doing research on unique local artists and your name came up. Jana's eyes grew wide in surprise and her professional tone went out the window. Me? Really? Who'd you hear about me from? Practically bouncing up and down, heart thudding with excitement, then putting on a ca- putting a casual arm onto the wall to steady herself, Jana took a deep breath and tried to sound a little cooler than she felt. I mean, that's fabulous. My friend Sirku, who owns the yarn store in Stanwood, and she was telling me about your fuzzy troll dolls. Samantha's voice now held an eager warmth that put Jana at ease. Oh, my fuzzy what's-its. Jana laughed. That's what I call the sculptures. Oh, they're not dolls? Samantha's voice held an edge of disappointment. Jana fidgeted with her long brown hair. Well, they are doll-like, but I call them sculptures because A, I sculpt them, and B, they're not really a toy. When I called them dolls, people gave them to kids, and they're not designed for wear and tear. Jana explained patiently. Oh, I see. Well, that's good to know. Are you up for an interview? 
Jana was quiet for a moment, while her mind spun, then agreed shyly. Sure, how does it work? Well, we can do it over the phone, but I'd love to come out and grab some photos for the article. Samantha responded with practiced enthusiasm. Yeah, but my apartment is pretty, uh... Jana looked around at the mess of wool and clutter in her living room. Small, I'm not sure. I bet Sirku wouldn't mind a little publicity. Shall we meet there? Just bring a, a bunch of those fuzzy what's it and we'll stage it. Samantha offered. Sure, that sounds great. I'll give her a call and see what works for... I know Thursdays are out. Do you have a number I can reach you at? Jana quickly scrawled Samantha's number on scratch paper by the phone. As soon as the call with Samantha ended, Jana immediately called Sirku. After checking schedules and excited chattering about the interview, they arranged a day and time that would work best in the coming week. Jana called Samantha back to sit and set the interview for the next Wednesday afternoon, then hastily dialed Annie Thompson's number. Hello? Annie's soft voice answered. Hi, Annie. You won't believe it. Samantha Glenn from the Everett Herald just called and wants to interview me about the fuzzy what's-it. Jana blurted out her news. Annie chuckled. Well, that's fantastic, Jana. So cool. When? Next week at the yarn store. Want to be there? Jana asked. Oh, what time? Patty might be coming over to quit that quilt that afternoon. Annie's voice held an edge of hopefulness that she could do both activities. One o'clock. Oh, perfect. Aunt uh, Patty won't be here till 2.30. I can at least hang out for a bit. Maybe I'll have her pick me up on the way. Annie's voice telegraphed the huge smile on her face. I'm delighted for you. Jana responded in a hushed voice. Me too. She, she called me an artist, Annie. Well, of course she did. That's who you are. I've always seen you that way. Annie's vo- tone serious now. Maybe you'll finally see it for yourself. The two chatted a few moments longer before hanging up. Then Jana stood staring at the handset. Oh boy, it's amazing how life changes just with a simple thing. Then flipping her left middle finger up in the air, she muttered, Screw you, Mr. Jones. I don't just do art. I am an artist. The next four nights after work were a whirl of finishing tiny wool sculptures of forest scene of a forest scene to offer the perfect backdrop to her whimsical creatures. On the fourth night, Jana actually caught a glance of herself in the bathroom mirror, a practice she normally avoided, and frowned at the woman regarding her with scrutiny. Don't judge, she grumbled. I've been busy. Her hair was a mess of mousy brown curls, eyes sunken from two late-night sculpting trees, mushrooms, and a stone grotto, added to two long days staring at spreadsheets, and she looked like she was in the early stages of becoming a zombie. Skin sallow and rough, eyes red-rimmed and bloodshot, clothes frumpy. Jana continued her harsh self-appraisal until her eyes began to well up with tears. I look like a boring accountant. The words came out in a mournful sob. Picking up the hairbrush laying on the counter, she threw it at the mirror, only to have it ricochet back and hit her on the shoulder. More tears, more self-criticism, and a full-out ugly cry started making Jana's eyes swell even redder and her nose drip as she choked on her self-loathing. She turned from the mirror, defeated, and slunk with leaden footsteps to her room where she flopped on her bed, crying her swollen eyes, dripping hot, angry tears. It shouldn't have seemed like such a big deal. But to Janet, it was a very big deal, a fat, a big, fat, hairy deal. Seeing, being seen as creative meant she was interesting, not a dull, pathetic wallflower. The reporter had said unique in reference to her. Janet had never been described as unique. She was always steady, middle of the bell curve, a nice girl, but unique? No, she'd never been unique. When they came for photos, they'd see her ordinariness. They'd see she just she's just a bean counter with a silly little hobby. Janice's thoughts spun on replay, causing more tears, more choking, and finally exhausted sleep. Face down on a drool-soaked pillow, hair matted against her face in the frumpy clothes from the day before, Jana opened one eye and groaned. A small voice prompted softly in her mind, Get showered and changed. It sounded like her mother, whose solution to most problems involved face washing or bathing. 
Jana grimaced, and she grunted and groaned her way off the messy bed, peeling a spit-soaked curl off her cheek. Stumbling to the bathroom, she studiously ignored the mirror. She didn't need to start crying again. Jumping into the shower, she let the warm water wash away last night's panic. The hot water cascading down her stiff neck and shoulder eased away the tension of sleeping at odd angles. Lathering her tangled curls in her sweet orange shampoo, Jana noticed that she was humming a tuneless ditty. It wasn't happy, she was feeling, but at least the misery was lifted. After a good solid dose of conditioner, Jana's hair released their mats, unlocking her vitality as her fingers worked through the locks. Smiling ruefully as she turned the water off and grabbed a towel, Jana teased herself for being such a big baby. I'm grown, I'm a grown up with keys. I can get my hair done, she announced aloud, her voice echoing firmly against the shower walls. Stepping out of the shower wrapped in her favorite turquoise bath sheet, Jana caught a glimpse of herself in the mirror. She saw enough to know she looked passably human after the shower. Still, she didn't want to look any closer. She tucked her head and scurried to the bath to the bedroom. Digging out her favorite slouchy sweater and jeans for today, Jana considered her outfit for the interview tomorrow. While she scooted into the stretchy denim and tossed the baggy teal cowlneck sweater over her head, she didn't want to look pretentious any more than she wanted to appear drab. Always a planner, Jana decided to piece her interview outfit together. She found a multicolored tunic that had a feel of stained glass, which her friend Annie always complimented. She figured that would work with jeans and cute boots, but her hair. What was she going to do with her mop? Placing the outfit together on her dresser, Jana got the inspiration to call Ada at the salon. Ada had been bugging her to come in for months. Maybe she could squeeze Jana in this afternoon. Scurrying to the living room to her phone, Jana hastily punched the numbers for Ada's salon. Instead of Ada's cheerful hello, the call switched over to voicemail. Hi, Ada. Jana Novak here. I was hoping you had a spot open today. Call me back before noon if you can get me in, okay? Jana put the phone back on the receiver and looked up at the wall. Her clock mocked her. It was only 7.30 a.m. Blowing a chunk of curls out of her face, Jana rolled her eyes and chuckled. I'm such a goober, she said aloud, deciding a pot of coffee might be the best way to boot up her morning. She tromped to the kitchen, got coffee brewing, then checked her day planner. Distracted by the interview coming up on Wednesday, Jana had lost her rhythm of knowing what her day looked like first thing. She rarely had a check rarely had to check her planner to start her day. Normally, she was completely predictable. Her eyebrows raised at this new experience, and she whispered, Am I being a little whimsical? Me? Giggling to herself, Jana scanned through the planner to see she had no meetings, but she did have some accounts to look over. Nothing major. She'd easily get her work done by mid-morning, then have the rest of the day for errands, put her forest scene together and get her hair made something appealing, somewhat appealing. Grabbing her coffee, she walked into her home office and sat down to work. Smiling at the spreadsheets in front of her, she mused at the comfort of the predictability of the sequences. Money in, money out, credit, debit, deductibles, non-deductibles. It might not be creative, but it did have a sense of satisfaction to it. It's just not sexy, Jana thought with a pout, then made a face at herself. Do I equate being creative with being sexy? Jana mused scrying through the balance sheets on her computer. She shook her head to clear her thoughts and and concentrate on Bryn Metzger's books. At 9.30 a.m., the phone on her desk rang. Jana grabbed the handset on the second ring. Ada's voice greeted Jana's. Hey, hun, you bet I can make room for you. I've been dying to get my hands on your hair. So you can squeeze in at noon or 2.30. Which one? Noon, let's do this, Jana laughed. Great, now am I cutting and styling, or are we looking at a little color? Hmm, do you think I need color? Jenna asked, her tone cautious. It's not about need, it's it's want, honey. Ada drawled out the endearment, then switched back to her chipper tone. I think we could have fun with those curls, but it's totally up to you. Fun? What kind of fun? Jenna's caution was tinged with a worried smile, wondering what Ada had in mind. A little teal and violet would look so good on you. Not a lot, Ada reassured her client quickly, then added, artfully done, it would really make your eyes pop. Ada said, her voice warm and encouraging. 
Oh, hell, why not? Jana Jana agreed. I trust your judgment. See you at noon. Attention back on the books, Jana sat, staring at the large computer monitor, then announced to herself, I can be all of this. Steady, sexy, creative. Oops, Jana laughed as she saw she'd typed sexy instead of second into the subject line of an email she was sending. Sheesh, (laughs) I don't know what's gotten into me, Jana muttered as she fixed the typo. Tapping away at columns and rows, sorting the books of the Ufta Shop and Billy's Lawn Service, LLC, soothed Jana's nerves, catching the errors Madge Sorensen made in her bookkeeping, a satisfying end to the morning's work. Madge did her best, but her macular degeneration wasn't helping the paperwork. Jana scrawled a note on, the, on a yellow sticky pad to speak with Madge about getting someone else in to do the basics. Looking up at the screen to check the time, Jana saw she had an hour before she needed to head out the door. Hand on mouse, she clicked out of the programs, shut down the desktop, fumbled with papers, getting them into their tiny, tidy manila files, arranging pens, pencils, and mouse neatly on the deck. desk. Jana surveyed her own office and smiled. It was orderly, efficient, a place to get things done. Not boring, just effective. Stomach growling, Jana left her office and tried to pass the explosion of colored wool, half-made beasts and creatures in the living room, and sauntered past the woolly forest on top of the dining table into the kitchen to make lunch. A simple soup and sandwich would do. Coffee added to her mug retrieved hastily from the office as the cream of tomato heated on the stove. Since the table in the breakfast nook was completely covered in gnarled trees, crimson mushroom caps, and a large rock grotto, meant for staging her fuzzy what's-its, Jana considered clearing the table to sit to eat, then waved a hand and muttered, I gotta get boxes today. While eating lunch over the stove, Jana scrawled her to-do list for the day. Whimsical was all well and good, but she had to admit she liked order. There was something grounding in the making of columns and rows. Lists came a close second. Hair, boxes, mm, three... Jana looked up from her list and at the mess of fluffy body parts and creatures laying akimbo in the living room. Three, craft organizing stuff. I've just outgrown my tubs is all, Jana mused as she added some other errands to her list. Grabbing her keys, list, and a handbag, Jana started to head out the door when a section of curls plopped into her face. Looking at the wicker basket on the shelf near the door, she found a floral scrunchie to hold the mass of errant curls into place hair contained she wrangled the door and stepped out into the cool spring air to take on her list last night's meltdown firmly behind her as she locked the apartment by 4 p.m that afternoon jana felt and looked like a new woman at least as far as she was concerned curls trimmed and tamed violet and teal lowlights artfully framing her narrow face subtle glimmers of color when the light struck her ash brown curls just right None of the local Stanwood shops held what she needed on her list, so she headed north to Burlington to haunt the big box stores for craft organizers and a tub or two for carting her critters. Wandering the craft store aisles, she more than once found herself looking at her reflection. It felt good to see her curls behaving around her cheeks, her face fresh, and if she had to admit it, attractive. Filling her cart over full with plastic drawers and two new seafoam green tubs, Jana trotted to the cashier where she was met with a, How are you today, miss? Jana beamed at the cashier. It had been a while since she was addressed as miss. One of the worst days of her life was being called ma'am a week into being 30. Who knew what a difference a hairdo can make? She almost chided herself for being vapid, but it wasn't just her hair. Carloaded, Jana pulled out of the parking lot, mind worrying with a cascade of thoughts she'd been holding at bay for most of a lifetime. Jana admitted that she'd let herself get into a rut. Working at home, creating at home, cooking at home, connecting with her clients in the office space she rented. Day after day, steady, predictability. Jana wasn't sure why that bothered her so much. Driving down I-5 to Stanwood, Jana ruminated on the rut she got herself into. Then it dawned on her. She'd never been out of the rut. She was born and raised right where she lived, only leaving for college, then returning right away when her elderly parents needed her back home. She was needed as their health deteriorated, with her father going first, then her mother a year later. She'd been there for them, but never for herself. Jana, the dependable, the steady, the stable one, the good girl, living life 
day after day doing the same things until she learned to needlefeld, making a face as the realization smacked her head on. Jana flipped her right turn signal a little too hard out of frustration as she hit the Stanwood exit. Really? Needle-felting creatures is the craziest, most creative thing I've done in my life? She whispered, incredulous at the thought. Brow furrowed in contemplation, remembering back to her college days in Pullman. She wasn't a party girl, couldn't stand the taste of beer. Sure, she'd had some friends, gone to Seattle for a Nirvana concert. Well... That was an interesting evening, she said with a sigh. Relief washed over her. She'd at least one normal young person thing. But I'm 32. Am I past it? Or am I still young? Her brain began checking thoughts at her like an old Looney Tunes cartoon. I'm going crazy, she announced to the car full of tubs and organizing crates as she pulled into her dedicated parking space at the apartment complex. She didn't mean to slam the door quite so hard when she got out to unlock her first floor apartment. She shook her head, confused. What the hell is wrong with me? Jenna muttered as she fumbled at the lock. Propping the apartment door open, she went back to the car to haul in the boxes and organizing crates. She heard the phone ring on her third and final trip to the car and hastily bumped the back door of her sedan shut with her hip and hurried back to grab the call. Dumping her boxes unceremoniously onto the living room carpet, Jana dove for the phone near the kitchen sink. She saw the name Thompson on the caller ID and answered just as the call forwarded to voicemail. Groaning in frustration, she waited before calling Annie back and took advantage of the pause to shut the apartment door. Dialing Annie's number, she smiled. She couldn't think of anyone in the world she'd rather speak to right now. Hello? Annie's, Annie's voice answered warmly. Hey, Annie. I was just getting in the door. How are you? Oh, I just left a voicemail for you. Are you excited about tomorrow? Patty's coming, too. We're all so excited for you. Nearly breathless, Annie's enthusiasm was contagious. Oh, I'm super excited. I just got the forest completed, ran out and got my hair done. Annie interrupted, chuckling. Ada's got to be excited. She's finally got her mitts on you. Jana giggled. Just a bit. She did a great job. I love the bits of color she put in. It's like streamers of violet and teal. Oh, and to think you once told me you didn't have a creative bone in your body. Annie cackled. Well, yeah, but it's Ada's work in my hair. Pish bosh. Annie dismissed. Jana's humility. If you weren't creative, you wouldn't let her do it. That's true. Jana agreed. Then taking a deep breath, she ventured, voice shaking. Annie... Can I ask you something in confidence? Annie's tone was hushed and grave in response. It'll, it will go to my grave. What's up? Jana's voice was almost a whisper. I don't know what's wrong with me. The other night I had a complete meltdown, and today I realized I'm not just in a rut. I've lived a rut my whole life. Am I too old to switch things up? Is this normal? Am I having a midlife crisis? Jana's voice fogged up as she asked the last question. Chuckling softly, Annie responded warmly, Oh, sweetie, no, past it? You haven't even begun it. I'm 62 and I'm constantly changing things up. You're just starting to live, that's all. Wasn't I supposed to start a little sooner? Jana pressed. No supposed to's in this life. You had a lot of responsibility very young. You only have really been free, what? When did your sweet mama pass? Six months ago? Annie's tender reassurance caused Jana's eyes to mist. More like eight months, but yeah, Jana coughed to clear the frog in her throat. But even before I did that, I did one crazy thing in college, that's it. I'm the epitome of a boring accountant. Oh, you just stop it. Annie commanded gruffly, listen here, wild and crazy doesn't mean a thing. You're young, independent, prudent. There's a lot you can do. And what does being an accountant have to do with it? Well, people think artists are interesting. No one writes books about the great accountants, Jana pouted. Well, then go write it. Better yet, go live it. Annie's tone warmed. Warned she'd take no nonsense. Have I read you my favorite quote? Jana was sure Annie had. The older woman was prone to reading favorite poems and quotes, but Jana said no. Give me a second. Annie said, then put her handset down. Annie could hear muffled footsteps on the other end. 
handset tucked between her ear and shoulder, Jana put together a medium-sized moving box. She could hear Annie's muffled mutterings on the other end of the phone, wondering at her friend's dogged determination to find just the right thing to lift spirits and inspire. Jana couldn't help but smile. Box on a dining chair, the fuzzy wool forest began its relocation. Three gnarled trees, one with a burl large enough to host a tiny creature who went in the box next, then the grotto. Jana placed this upside down so as to have room to nest in the mushrooms to protect the delicate crimson and violet caps. Annie's voice came back breathless. Got it. I put my notebook in the spare room. Sheesh, I must be getting old, she chuckled. It's all right. I'm just packing up the critters for tomorrow. Jana put a clump of mushrooms into the box. Okay, here's the quote. I should be making you a copy. Annie said, half muttering to herself, clearing her throat, she began to read aloud, her tone soft and certain. Until one is committed, there is hesitancy, the chance to draw back. Annie paused for dramatic effect, then interrupted herself. You're in that space right now, Jana. Then Annie continued reading. Concerning all acts of initiative and creation, there is one elementary truth that ignorance of which kills countless ideas and splendid plans, that the moment one definitely commits oneself, then providence moves too. All sorts of things occur to help one that would never otherwise have occurred. A whole stream of events issues from the decision, raising in one's favor all manner of unseen incidents and meetings and material assistance which no man... Annie coughed, then added, or woman, before finishing a reading, raising her voice dramatically, could have dreamed would have come his way. Whatever you can do or dream you can do, begin it. Boldness has genius, power, and magic in it. Begin it now. Silence rang across the phone line. Shivers raised the hairs on on Jana's arms. Her hand, holding an owlish-looking creature, hovered over the box. That's powerful, Jana whispered. A tear slipped down her cheek. Thank you, Annie. Jana, you get to choose your way. You have money, time, options. My God, girl, there are people who'd kill to be in your position. You're not boring. You've outgrown yourself, and you haven't shed your skin yet. Annie punctuated the last word firmly. Jana nodded, then said, I guess so. Silence hung between the friends for a moment, then Jana asked, So I wonder what I want to do. Cackles came through the handset. Oh, you funny girl. Dream a little. Make yourself a journal or a dream board. Annie's enthusiasm carried through the handset. Jana ran a hand through her soft, bouncy scrolls, let it soft bouncy curls let out a long breath so I'm not having an early midlife crisis oh no Annie's soft chuckles reassuring no Jana you're having a life crisis the whole of your soul is begging you to live your life in a way that makes it sing there are some words that fall away as soon as they are spoken then there are others so bold and certain they burn into the listener's memory. The words Annie Thompson spoke to Jana the night before the interview were the latter, words that anchored Jana to her true north, year after year, as long as she lived. Well, that's the episode. Fabulous interview with Eve Corso. You can find out where to find her book and follow her on Twitter at Eve Corso Books. Um, you find all this in the description of the podcast. So go take a look, follow the links, buy her book, leave a review. Uh, congratulations again for a successful release to Eve Corso. So we have a lucky winner. This winner gets to be a character in one of the short stories that's going into the book, uh, The Double Bubble Conjecture. So these are all people from a small town on them that never quite made it to Charming. Uh, 
It's a real place, Stanwood, Washington. I lived uh, near there for many years, and some of the people in these stories are real, some are not. Um, Some of the experiences are real, and some are not. Um, Annie is a real person, and she's a very dear friend, and she once said I would write a book about her. And she was right because she was always very mystical and prophetic with her love of bubbles. And uh, the story I read here, the, the story with Jana, Jana is not a real person. She is named after a real person, but she's not a real person. And uh, she actually represents an actual thing I went through. One of the things Annie gifted me with was helping me find my creativity in art. I'd been a writer my whole life. I had been um, a classical vocalist and a jazz singer. But for some reason, due to an art teacher who was not named Mr. Jones, I'm not going to give him his real name, um, he really did tell me he would pass me in art my freshman year of high school if I promised never to do art again. And it did a lot of damage. I didn't know how much damage it actually did um, until I was in my early 30s and had met Annie and she went to teach me uh, to spin and needle felt, and uh, which is really cool. It is sculpting with wool. I'd always wanted to be a sculptor, but I couldn't see and I don't have great manual dexterity. I'm good for typing and playing video games, but not for shaping clay. And Annie, or Granny Annie, as we like to call her, uh, I walked into her house and she said, um, well, you're going to do fabulous. And I said, I don't know, Anne. I'm going to warn you, I don't have a creative bo- bone in my body. And she really did turn around, look over top of her glasses and said, we'll see about that. And I loved that she never argued with me. Um, she just let me find it. She's a very magical person. So every single short story in this book has Annie in it, whether she's playing a small cameo role or she's right in the action um, or she's teaching or she's loving somebody into being because that's what she does. So you as a character um, will probably be um, a, a, the the kind of like Jana, a made-up person dealing with something. So I am going to announce the winner right now and then give you the instructions on what to do next. So our wonderful winner is, uh, let me see here. It was really hard not to just announce it. I tell you, I'm not good at keeping secrets. So let me, uh, let's see. Thinking Moon at JC underscore Lynch. Thinking Moon at JC underscore Lynch was the lucky winner with 4646. Yay! So here's the deal. We are going to have you DM me because I have a questionnaire for you to fill out so I can build the story and the character. It'll be an under 5,000 word story. Now, more than like 200 of you joined us. So don't quit out of the podcast yet. Um, Hang on, JC. I'll get a hold of you in a second. Um, I'll get back to your instructions. The rest of you, I am starting to plot some ideas on kind of writing some really fun microfiction um, for the Twitterverse and putting a little book together. So um, none of you are out of the running yet. I think when we get to 10K, um, we'll do this again and I will write a bunch of microfiction. So... Um, I'm going to pick, I think maybe 20 or 30 of you out of this bunch that, uh, that did it now. I've bookmarked the tweet where I announced everything and I'm going to write some micro fiction just for Twitter. Maybe we'll do a little ebook of fun micro, uh, fiction stories about you and I'll watch your tweets and I'll craft something really fun. It just seemed like a fun writing exercise. Um, but back to JC, get a hold of me, DM me. And I will make you um, your questionnaire and we will develop the under 5,000 word short story with you as a main character with Granny Annie coming in to love you or create with you or be her wonderful Granny Annie self with you. And you will probably feel like you know her by the time we're done. Uh, Thank you to everyone 
for following and listening to the podcast. Uh, if you want to be interviewed, do reach out to me. Uh, DM me on Twitter. Uh, if you want your stories read here on the podcast, please submit to 1001LANights.com. I do get back to people. It's just, it's taken me a while. I got a lot of submissions and I'm kind of going through. I am looking for guests for the fourth week of April through May. The fourth week of April all the way through May. I like to book about a month out, but we've got everybody recorded up through the third week of April. So once again, thank you for playing and having fun with me and being your wonderful creative selves. I'm LA Rivers and we'll see you next Friday with Chad Ard. A great interview with Chad Ard. That'll be next Friday's podcast with reading some of his poetry. I'm LA Rivers and I'm signing out. <laughs>